guys, what are we talking about today? We're here to talk to Faith. We're flipping the camera and the microphones around to talk to Faith about growth marketing and how she has used it over the last few years to help grow gun.io from a bootstrap company to where we are now. So um, I guess like when, when you first started, you were the everyman for Tajan and Tyler. Uh, did all of it. She changed genders. <laughs> we had, a, we had other, yeah. other the every people woman. on the team too. <laughs> how did your role kind of like, how did it grow to where, you know, you started focusing on growth marketing and, you know, why, why that over any of the other avenues that you could have taken in a growing company? I think just generally when you're th- when you're thinking about like a, a smaller business, um, which we were four years ago, there's not a, a small business doesn't have a need for like a brand marketer, right? Or somebody to come and do even like content to some extent, like a small business, the only marketing need they have really is growth marketing. And I guess it probably makes sense to define growth marketing. If you listen to Twitter, growth marketing marketing is just when dudes do marketing. Uh, That's true. It's <laughs> <laughs> not not true. <laughs> it's not not true. Uh, but I mean, marketing, I think like marketing just has like it's a profession that's been around forever. And I think similar to like ad sales, people are like, oh, yeah, marketers, they like sit around a table with you know, they're etch a sketches and think about what their gut says to do. And that's what they spend millions of dollars on. That sounds sick. <laughs> it does sound sick. That, that sounds fucking dope. Like, what? I want that job. <laughs> I want that job too, but I was always trash at the etch a sketch. We can get you some tanker toys. <laughs> growth marketing. I think there's like two kind of key differentiators between marketing and growth marketing. One is you know, growth marketing tends to think about the full funnel. So instead of just acquisition, how do we get new customers in the door as leads? We're thinking about what happens after that. How do we convert them? What happens through the sales process all the way to retention, right? The other bit is growth marketing tends to be more experimentation focused. So running like really quick cycles to figure out what works and what doesn't. And that second piece is really what serves a small business, right? Because when you're just starting to build traction, you have to operate that way, right? Like you have to throw a bunch of shit at the wall to see what sticks. And then from there, obviously, you can build out your marketing team and get a little bit more specialized. But um, I don't know, Tasia, I feel like you're the person to talk to about this. Like, what was the need when I came on? We kind of had the vision that we wanted to build out a marketing department. Because, you know, part of the thesis was, hey, like recruiting is, um, it's like kind of a boring industry. And um, I think, you know, at the time we were trying to operate in a pretty unique way. And we needed help, um, like with the storytelling of the way that we were operating. Right. But it just so happened that a big part of our storytelling component involved like the mechanical uh, strategy of ad spend. Um, which is, you know, which is considered a part of marketing, but like our business was so reliant on inbound that like actually marketing was like a really important department for us. Uh, not only because of the direction of the company and like, I think our unique selling proposition and storytelling that well, 
but also because it's like pretty, you know, it's like you're managing, I don't know, a hundred grand budget basically, right? Just in like ads alone or close to that. Yeah. I think we always knew that. And I think what struck us about you, if I'm remembering correctly, is that um, like you had a really good facility and command of, of the language, which is like probably really what you need to effectively storytell. Uh, and also like, you know, you, we could sense that kind of like that hustler mentality that gets you done mentality. You had your own business, you had bought a house, like things like that, right. That are like signaling to the, to the level of effort that you would have professionally. And so it was like, it was like, we wanted to make storytelling a key part of our strategy. We knew we were reliant on ads and we needed somebody who could grow into that and eventually manage that whole function for us. I think we made the right decision. Uh, <laughs> it's working, working out. out. Yeah. yeah. I think it was the right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. But you came in and you basically talked to customers to start. I mean, that's what you did. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, at, at the stage we were, and I'm thinking about like people who are operating small businesses who might be listening and thinking about like, you know, customer acquisition, starting to figure out their traction channels. Like, we were still very much in the phase of like, how do we, how do we make our sales process run effectively, right? How do we convert as many leads as possible so we can make our cost per lead numbers make sense? So yeah, for my first like six to eight months, I was picking up the phone immediately when a lead signed up and saying, hey, what do you need? How can we help you? Like just interviewing them and getting as much information as we could building a little bit of rapport. Um, and that was like our first experiment. The question was, if we call leads within five minutes of them submitting a lead form, will they convert at a higher rate? And the answer was yes. Um, so that was, sure, we should go back to basics. Right? I agree. Right. I talk about it all the time. <laughs> We're um, doing so much shit that I feel like that's the key. Yeah. yeah, totally. But even that, you know, like we often talk about it, like, haha, remember when faith was like doing customer discovery calls, but it wasn't, it's not outside the scope of growth marketing, because like we said, you know, growth marketing is it's full funnel. You have to think about everything that happens from the time that somebody first hears about your brand to, when they're a customer and you're trying to retain them for, you know, a number of months or years. Totally. Do you have like a favorite experiment that you've run? Even if it didn't go how you thought it would. I feel like we're, I feel like we're given a lot of, we're given a lot of freedom here more freedom than like anywhere I've ever worked to like, just try shit. Wait, I didn't know that. Um, I feel like experiments, experiments aren't usually sexy. (laughs) (laughs) What, that we have freedom? I didn't authorize that. I mean, like experiments are, they're super small tests, right? Like it's not like a, like a big sexy thing is more of like a campaign, you know, like a couple of years ago for, um, uh, April Fool's Day, we like created a spoof website and it was doggun.io. Yes. How sick. And everyone's dogs were on it and we were like offering the dog whatever services they offered and. I mean, that was hilarious, but that wasn't an experiment, right? Like experiments are like, if I change this, uh, like headline copy, can I get 0.002% more people to convert? The sexy stuff. (laughs) Right, exactly. The stuff that everybody, everybody wants to do with their professional time. (laughs) But that is like, 
I don't know. Zuckerberg always says that the th- the best thing Facebook did was invent the growth team, which maybe I don't know, but like that's why in the early kind of 2010s, everybody was like hype on growth teams because they were like, oh well, that's how Facebook figured out their uh, retention. They were like, the, the question was, how can we get people to stay on Facebook longer? And so the Facebook product team or the Facebook growth team was just running these like super teeny incremental experiments. Yeah. So we like, we definitely do that. Um, I think we're still kind of building that muscle, but maybe a, a larger one is the Wayfair, right? Like our newsletter started as an experiment, which was like, if we consistently email folks in our network, both developers and clients every single week, A, can we get people in, like more people engaged and B, can we get more leads ultimately to, to convert, even if they don't convert right away? So that one's been fun. So far, the answer is yes. We've been doing it for four years. So, aren't you? It's like thirty thousand subscribers plus at this point. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Yeah, a little more than thirty thousand subscribers, and we get like between thirty and forty percent opens every week. That's huge. That's yeah. It's like yeah. triple, probably the average, right? Pretty good for a newsletter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to make like crazy claims, but it's definitely, definitely good. Probably better open rate than I get in my emails to my family. So a- average open rate for, hold on, let's see, for <laughs> newsletters. We can solve this right now. Yeah. All right. What do you guys think it is? Uh, I think it's somewhere around like seven to 8%. Cool. Okay. Eight, eight, I would say 18%. Okay, cool. Abby's right. It's closer to 10%. Wow. Yeah. So that's huge. I mean, that's a shout, shout out to a... Shout, out. <laughs> shout out to Wayfair. To Wayfair readers. I don't know why they they like it, but I don't know. I I feel like I get so much shit in my email. It's not shit. It's like people spend a lot of time writing helpful stuff. You know, like I I get James Clear's email and just like a bunch of other kind of like thought leaders um but i just don't always have time for that and also sometimes i'm like i don't want to i don't want my brain to work i mostly just want to like clear out my inbox and maybe like laugh a little bit i don't know i think then then that's been like a good experiment and uh kind of ties in like all of the the parts of where you've grown as a growth marketer with the company do you think that there are things that um like methods that you found that work really well in tech hiring that would work elsewhere really well or things that you think are specific to tech hiring. Yeah. In terms of like growth strategies. Yeah. Cause we've talked a lot. We've talked a lot, at least like one-on-one about how there's just like marketing to developers in general is really hard. You've done a great job mm. seeing where we're at. Yeah. Well, I can't take that. I like stepped into a like very, nice brand that like props to Tasia and Rich at the beginning, like the, the North star was like, what can we do to make developers lives better? And they created a brand and a brand promise that was really resonant with devs. And, and up until now, I mean like a decade of business and we have barely spent any kind of money on marketing to developers because we really rely on reputation and relationship building there. 
Um, so I would say like for people that are operating like in, in some sort of like developer facing marketing space, the advice is like, just have a talent first approach and figure out what it is you can do to provide value and build relationships with developers. That's true. And that comes first. Yeah. I think, I think also like, um, you're really good at being authentic faith. So I'm thinking about rich when I said like unfuck something that was like an actual action item <laughs> on his like developer roadmap. <laughs> right. And like that's, and that's probably like, it's not all developers because some uh, think about David G they operate differently. Uh, but I think, I think rich was really good at like being himself. Yeah. And, um, and I think we're really good at being ourselves just as a business in terms of like the personality that we show through the storytelling that you and Abby and everybody else really that like we're ramping up, like we're able to like capture the value of what we're doing in a way that feels authentic. I think that's why the Wayfair makes sense. And yeah, we had a good brand, but I think we've done a good job of building the marketing team around people who show up authentically such that they're able to tell an authentic story of what the company is doing. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Especially working in like a dev facing yeah. marketing role, because like our business, obviously we have our talent, our developers on one side, and then our, our clients are hiring companies on the other. Yep. But ultimately they're this, usually the same people, right? Like, Developers hire other developers through Gun.io. And so everything we do has to resonate with devs. And yeah, authenticity goes a long way for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there. I think people that are probably more mathematically and engineering inclined tend to be more skeptical just by nature because of the nature of the profession. Like that's that's a huge value to be skeptical of how things are built. Um, and so probably our market's more discerning than the average market to market into. And so I don't know, I'm sure you guys have faced that challenge. Like why don't you talk about that actually? How have you faced that challenge? Is that something that you think about? Like you're not selling like razors, you know what I mean? <laughs> do you ever lay awake at night? Like, fuck, how do I, how do I market this effectively? I think it's fun to market. Honestly, because there's so much, I feel like the, the room you have to play when it comes to marketing is much greater when you have a really clear idea of um, your competitive advantage, like who you're competing with, why you think you're better than them. <laughs> um, I'm a very competitive person in some things and things that I think I'm good at. If I think I'm bad at it, I'm like, please be my guest. <laughs> But yeah, I don't, I, I don't feel like I struggle with like, how am I going to tell this story in a compelling way? Like, how am I going to land this, uh, this market? It's more, um, there's just so much, there's so much possibility that that's, I think where any of like my anxiety comes from is like, how am I going to have, how am I going to have like the time and resources to test everything that we want to try? Mm. There's like an overwhelming amount of things you could try. Right. I guess that's actually, that's like my other piece of advice for folks that are building, um, building companies and starting to think about whether it's marketing, growth marketing is as soon as you can, you should have somebody whose job it is to think about 
what happens next, because it's really easy on a growth marketing team as you're running these kind of like fast cycle experiments to be like, oh shit, that worked. We need to do that. And just like, before you know it, you're stuck in the weeds, just like operating these things. And you don't know like what the next thing is that you're going to try. So having somebody whose job it is to like, not really operate the day to day, but to be thinking about what has to happen next, I think is like key. And you're not, I don't think you're too small ever to do it. Like if you've got a team of like four plus, you know, that's probably big enough to have somebody who's just thinking about future focused stuff. Okay. How do you force rank and prioritize your experiments? What's your methodology? Mm. Mm. I do the old two axis between um, effort and impact, right? So a higher impact, lower effort stuff. And it it's not like a end all be all, right? Like if something is like super high impact and high effort, that doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. And by effort, we can say maybe investments, a better word, um, right? So it's like time investment, but also like money required. Um, it's not an immediate no, but it helps you force rank stuff um, and choose like some easy wins, high impact, low investment things, obviously, um, are worth trying right away. I think after that, like, obviously, you'll still have things on the table. And I think our team's kind of unique in this sense. Our growth marketing team operates a lot like a dev team, just by nature of like working so closely with our dev team. So we organize our work into milestones. We use GitHub for all of our like team planning. Um, But also we think a lot about context switching. So if there's a lot of stuff that's on the table that's, you know, we could possibly do in the span of like a quarter or a year, um, we tend to try to bulk things together that are in like the same kind of context or headspace, especially if it's going to be owned by a certain person. Do you see the world differently as a marketer because you've worked in marketing? Like, are you able to like look at a brand and be like, oh, that's interesting, the angle that they're taking? It's almost problematic for me. (laughs) Really? Oh my God. (laughs) Like I'll see something and be like, wow, that was like, especially having a background in copywriting, I'll be like, that was really well written. Or it's like, you have, do you realize what you just said? you know, without really thinking about, I see, I see and do that everywhere. Yeah, I do too. I mean, like nitpicky stuff, like typos on websites or misplaced commas. I'm like, come on guys. I mean, we have that too though. Like we're not perfect, but I think like strategy wise, I'm more critical because I did spend so much time kind of in the middle of our funnel. I'm more critical of like early to mid funnel strategies If I like like, reach out, yeah, if I reach out to like another kind of like services company, like, and I have an inquiry about hiring them or whatever, and their process is like abrasive in any way, I'll like give them the feedback. Totally. Just because, just because like, you know, it's not good and it's going to save them time if like somebody is honest with them. I think that that also is like, I mean, obviously I've only been here a short time, but I think that that's how like you have to take that feedback to grow. You know, like I see the things that um, come in an intercom in response to emails that we're sending out. And it's like some of the feedback is really 
necessary, even if it's painful to hear. If you want the best product for the people that you're serving, that's inevitably going to come with people saying like, no, this, how you're doing this right now does not work. I feel like that's another thing we do well that I would like encourage other companies our size to prioritize is like talking to customers as much as possible and just like working it into your kind of daily process as a company, right? Like we do, we do like larger um, bi-yearly surveys of like both customers and developers, but like pretty consistently we're getting feedback in the door, whether it's through intercom, uh, our community Slack, uh, monthly surveys with active clients, like we're getting all of this and it's being distributed basically to the whole team. Like we've got these open channels and Slack where people can jump in and just kind of absorb these sentiments through osmosis, which I think is like, it's huge. It's like for a growth marketing team, but also just for like our, a team our size where everybody has to be super rooted in what our customers are saying, right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like our company has like two big cycles of like two big growth cycles. One cycle is like just outreach and awareness like reaching more and more people. Mm -hmm. And then the other cycle is like feedback, collection, prioritization, implementation. That that makes the product better and then you reach more people. And then that's how you build a company. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it, guys. Right easy as that. Three steps. <laughs> Three steps that'll make you rich in 2023. <laughs> no, but I think growth growth marketing is at the is in, in, integral for both loops and feedback collection and in awareness generation. That's a way better. I like your definition that you just came up with of growth marketing better than the actual definition of growth marketing, which is what, which is it tends to think about the whole funnel and it tends to be more data driven than marketing. I think the data driven piece is such bullshit though. <laughs> like I really do because I don't know a single marketer, even people who don't have like growth in front of their marketing title, who is not incredibly data driven. Like marketing is all about. I data. mean, like I think coming from like a traditional brand marketing background, I think for me, it's it's uh, it's always been so slow to produce data mm. that it's like like how do you how do you measure brand sentiment? brand recognition, stuff like that, that takes a really long time to kind of build, even if it's not somebody who's like actively using your product. Um, that it's not that I don't care about the data. It's yeah. just that it's, it moves so slow sometimes that it's not top of my mind. Yeah. Which is why I feel, I find like growth marketing so interesting because it's like, I really like the analytical side of development. You know, like it's, there is, there's a right way to do this. Mm. There are multiple right ways to do this, but there's one outcome. I think it's really cool what you do and how it differs from mm -hmm. like what I've done in the past. No, that's interesting because this is my only, this is my first marketing job. I've never marketed anything before. So I always appreciate hearing like, what is it like in other companies? Like, is there actually a difference between what we do and what someone might do at like a more traditional marketing team, especially in like a, a marketing team that's selling like a good rather than a service like us. It feels a little soul sucking. <laughs> We're all parties to consumerism. 
whatever. But to be a part of a team like this, where it's like what we're selling is like a better option for people to make their life better. Right. So much more like at the end of the day, so much more satisfying than selling shoes. Yeah, I don't think I could be fulfilled by like selling face cream. Shit, if it if it works, <laughs> but your skin would glow. I just don't think it would do it for me. <laughs> yeah, then why not? Yeah. Um, if it works, yeah. No, I think um, yeah, I think you guys have done a great job of building like a strategy agnostic but a results oriented culture and growth marketing. You know, like whatever works, let's do it. Let's do the thing that generates the most results. I think that's good. Thanks. Yes. Thanks, Asia. Um, Appreciate it. <laughs> so like growth marketing to me, at least the way that I look at it, is like a piece of the overall growth puzzle. Like you want to grow a company from, let's say, I don't know, there's like 10K MRR is like the first benchmark for like a company that's like on the way to making it. Like you've proved the idea, blah, blah, blah. It's working. You want to go from 10K monthly recurring revenue to like your first million in revenue. Um, how would, how would a founding team, maybe two, three people, how would they figure out like the right strategy to get to a million in revenue from 120 in revenue? Where does growth marketing play in that? I think too often people get psyched on growth before they have their most viable company nailed down, which and I'm like paraphrasing from someone much smarter than me, like your most viable company means like, you've got your business model nailed down, like you understand what you're charging, your cogs, all that. You understand the ecosystem that you're operating in, which is not just your customers, but like, for example, if I'm if I'm selling face cream, right? Like the ecosystem is like my customers, but it's also the manufacturers, it's my competitors, it's laws in different countries around like which chemicals can and can't be in your face creams. And then the third is obviously understanding your value propositions. Um, and I think too often that question, Tasia, that you just posed, like, how are you going to get to your first million in revenue is like, mm -hmm. oh, well, like, how am I going to get as many customers as possible? Um, but really, your first step is to nail your most viable company. And then from there, you can think about growth. But let's assume that somebody's like got all that stuff nailed, ready to rock. I would highly recommend that they read the book Traction, which Tasia, you recommended to me. And it just does a really good job of explaining especially to a founder or somebody who doesn't come from a marketing background like here are all your possible traction channels and you might have a pretty good idea that if you're selling face cream your primary channel is going to be instagram but you might be surprised so like let's talk about all the possible ways you could develop traction um and then let's narrow those down based on like a really kind of intuitive strategy that's it that's the formula for success guys do you want to, you want to make a million bucks in revenue? Do you think all those things like figuring out tax laws, COGS, does that fall within the purview of growth? So like, actually two questions. What's the difference between growth and growth marketing? And then under which umbrella do those things fall into? I have my own view, but I'm curious about yours, obviously. This is your interview, so. <laughs> I think like, 
we can talk about the functions and then we can talk about the people, right? Like the functions, if you, if you're an early stage company, like the functions might all fall under one person's purview and that person is probably the founder. So whether it's like growth or marketing or growth marketing, like it's your job probably if you're the founder and you're operating solo. Your second question was like, okay, so like what's the difference between growth and growth marketing? Um, I don't know. I mean, I would say like I, by nature of just like being nosy and uh, kind of like obsessive about things, like I feel like I have a really kind of wide purview here. Like I think about a lot of shit that probably is not under the marketing umbrella. Um, And I think all of it like is to serve growth. So for example, like, let's say, let's say we uncover a common sentiment within our customers who tend to churn before they hit their LTV, right? It is my job as a growth marketer to think about how is it, what was the, like the story that these folks heard that brought them to gun? And is that a story that we can, or that we intended to make good on? And if we intended to, but we couldn't, like, why is that? It's my job as a growth marketer to take that sentiment that's like rooted super deep in the funnel, right? It's that's about like churn and think about how we can make adjustments at the top of the funnel and the mid funnel to prevent that. While, of course, like, you know, CSMs, account managers are working kind of on the front lines. I don't know if that answers your question, Tej, or just creates more questions. But how would you how would you define the difference? Uh, it's not my interview, so I played the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to be like pretty rigid in most things, but I think like departmental scope is so company specific and like also so personality specific. Like actually, that that's one thing that I've learned probably in the last couple of years is like how much personal disposition and the personalities of the players on the team actually dictate the scope of functions and of departments Mm -hmm. right because some people want to be like they want to be an inch wide and a mile deep just killing it on a very narrow set of things you know david g comes to mind right like and then some people want to be like really wide berth like touching all different functions to try to improve different things. And that's great. And, you know, a lot of it is like, I think expectations inform behavior, like maybe their titles inform what they want to do, but then also behavior informs expectations. Like if somebody touches all facets of the company and they do a good job, like with you and touching the revenue part and the sales part and the experiments are good. It's like, keep going, right? Like that's, everybody's incentivized to let that person keep going and continue to touch everything. So I I don't like really have in my mind, like really rigid distinctions between departments, like growth versus growth marketing versus marketing. I think it's like whatever nomenclature is really workable and solid. Uh, And then so much of it is like unique to the specific company and the stage and all that stuff. Mm. That's, that's how I think about it. But a lot of companies will do like when they think of growth teams, they'll do like a growth pod, right? So there's like a product manager, there's a designer, there's a developer, there's a marketer sometimes. 
And these growth pods are all over the company, right? Like they'll insert themselves maybe in like a really specific feature that needs to be tested and improved upon or a really specific stage in the sales process. Right. And so that's like traditional growth is these kind of like chameleon pods that can jump into any team. Um, Our needs specifically, when I came on and I think today is growth marketing, which is like, we're not quite big enough to have like a generalized marketing team. We're still kind of learning. We've got to experiment quickly, figure out like what it is that's going to be like our acquisition machine. So that's why we do growth marketing. So a lot of the same practices that a growth pod might have, we do just in the, the context of, of marketing, right? We are the growth pod. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Everybody's best interest is like, how do we help the company grow? Because, you know, that just, yeah. Otherwise, what are you doing here? I totally. Guess. Yeah. Um, if it's a good company. And I, I see like the marketing arm of that is mm-hmm. like, how do you, how do you put all of these efforts out into the world? Mm-hmm. Totally. How do you make everybody in the company who's trying to achieve mm-hmm. this singular goal? How do you make them look good? How do you let people know that, you know, that this is being done for their benefit? without sounding like I'm doing it for you. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> right back to storytelling. It's all storytelling. The most powerful skill for a non-technical person yeah. in the game. Well, Faith, is there anything else you want to share about growth marketing and gun? Um, no, I mean, I would say, like, I come from a super non-traditional background. I was an eighth grade teacher. I worked in like international NGOs before this uh so i would say if you know you are founding a business you're thinking about uh growth if you are somebody who wants to get into growth marketing yourself i would just say like read as much as you possibly can learn as much as you possibly can there's a ton of awesome resources people way smarter than me that i've learned from um so just take you know i would say like an hour a day and just ingest start with traction for sure you know we didn't validate so here's what i'll say about faith's tenure faith i think you started we were doing like half a million in top line revenue or something like that right yeah maybe half a mil top line Mm -hmm. this year i don't know we're on track for 10 or 12 and top line million and so that's i don't know 20x fold increase in the revenue over the last some odd years so you know, mm-hmm. four years. All right. You're counting every day. I see. So, <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. No, I just know I'm That's dangerously true. close to hitting 200 uh, Wayfair episodes. But yeah, it's 20 full growth in four years. It's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, that's solid. And so a lot of this stuff has, is not just theory. It's like stuff that's come out of your experience and presiding over that growth. And in many cases, you know, inducing that growth so yeah well i have not done it alone i'm obviously very thankful for the team here and the the space to do it i think if you if you have an opportunity to work on a team where there's a lot of room for experimentation and creativity definitely take it because i think that's why we've we've had so much fun here and obviously had so much success so true 
Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast powered by Gun.io. We drop two episodes per week, so if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and come hang out with us again next week and bring all your internet friends. If you have questions or recommendations, just shoot us a Twitter DM at the Frontier Pod, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.